If you have a Bible this morning, find the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, and we're going to start in chapter number 9. Today is actually part 2 of a message that I started last week but ran out of time speaking is how it's really worked. Uh, And so we've been using the word, the phrase, win the day, win the day. It is a study on spiritual growth and more specifically a study on spending personal time with God. Uh, There are all sorts of ways that spiritual growth can happen in our lives, and we talked about some of those things last week, but really the focus of last week and this week is the simple idea that the foundation of all spiritual growth is a consistent, routine, daily, disciplined, personal time with God. You can grow by coming to a church service, and you can grow by going to a camp service and getting in a small group and reading a book or whatever else like that, but, but just the foundation of spiritual growth is really just found in us when we, when we begin to daily spend time with God and we do that. Everything else then piles on top of that, and it is incredible what can happen. Uh, and this is true in our spiritual lives. This is also just a, a discipline thing in the rest of the world as well. Uh, John Maxwell writes all sorts of stuff about leadership. He wrote this, what matters most, what matters most is what you do day by day over the long haul. All right? That, in leadership, he writes that, uh, day by day over the long haul. He went on to say the secret of our success is found in our daily agendas, Growth in almost every area of our lives doesn't just come in a day, it comes in and through routine. Day by day by day, as we begin to do the things that we need to do, discipline is the word, uh, growth things day after day. Now last week I illustrated this, this is just to get you caught up because this is part two of that. Uh, Last week I illustrated this by talking about running, telling a little bit about my story of the past few months. I went from couch to 10K in 31 days, Uh, and it was a disciplined season for me. Uh, And for those of you who were here last week, uh, one of of the pastors uh, took a little bit of the video from last week and made it into this little looping thing. The young kids call it a gif or a jif, or I don't even know what is going on, okay? But it's one of those things you send on your phone and they just repeat over and over. Go ahead and put that one on the screen for us. It will never stop. It will go forever. (laughs) All right, go to the next slide for me. No, but uh, yeah, uh, that was funny. That was for those who were here last week. You understand why that was funny and that was good. But um, the entire point, the point of that entire thing last week was just like, uh, that was like, you don't become a runner in a day. It doesn't work like that. It takes discipline. It takes day after day after day. Um, It takes a plan and it takes working that plan. Uh, And now for me, a few months out from that, uh, like, Getting to the point where just running three, four, five miles is just kind of routine for me now 
after discipline has been put into action, and that is just the way things go, okay? And like our physical health, whether that's weight loss or running, like the foundation of all of that and the foundation of spiritual growth is this everyday routine, disciplined, personal time with God. Okay, that's enough of a review and introduction. Let's get to the Bible. So stand with me all over this place, and we're gonna just read from the Bible together here, and uh, I am excited about this. We are going to get as practical about things as I ever get in a message like this, and I think that for some of us, you're going to walk out the doors like just equipped with these, in, with these tools to do things different, and so just be excited about that, uh, and take some notes. Write some things down. Uh, it's like 98% of people who take notes in church go to heaven, I think, <laughs> is how I, it's somewhere around that. Okay, but I don't really know for sure. But all right, let's read this together. Uh, sec, or, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, we're starting in verse number 24. It says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray. God, we, we just take a deep breath today and just invite you into this moment. God, I pray, I, I sincerely pray that this would not just be my creative thoughts and ideas, but that you and your very word would come and would show us things and speak to us and challenge us and change us. And so God, we, we sit on the edge of our seats and lean into you and your word today. Uh, and so we pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, so here we go. Uh, got, a lot, got a lot to get through, so let's, uh, let's focus right away. Two parts to this message today. Um, first, we're going to really talk about the word discipline, and it's some of what we see in our passage of Scripture today. We're going to look through this, and, and we're going to kind of define and navigate through that word, self-discipline, self-control, and what that looks like. Second, we're going to take a few minutes to, and, and give you some crazy practical tools on how to better read the Bible for yourself and pray in your personal life, okay? That's what today's gonna be about. Uh, a few moments ago, just a moment ago, we read from this portion of the scripture, a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, one of the letters that Paul wrote. Uh, Paul writes, if, if you feel like every week we're saying one of the letters he wrote, it's because he wrote a whole bunch of letters. We have them in our Bible, and it's some of the most relevant, incredible stuff for us today, uh, as after Jesus has died and raised from the dead and Jesus has ascended into heaven, Christianity begins and the message of Jesus begins to spread to places that have never heard about it. Uh, throughout the Roman Empire, 500 miles plus from Jerusalem, Jerusalem, where, where it all started. And uh, Paul was the one who kind of really started all this stuff. And he would then write letters to all of these places and helping them, instructing them, challenging them, pointing out things they're doing wrong and all this super cool stuff. And we have at least 13 of those letters in our Bible. 
and, and they're just filled with this amazing stuff, challenging stuff, encouraging stuff. In fact, next week, uh, next week we are going to be starting a study where we are going to go front to back through the letter of Colossians, which is a letter he wrote. It's four chapters long. It's going to take us six, eight weeks. I'm not really even sure. We're going to go through verse by verse and just study that together. And uh, so I love doing that. I'm excited for that. Uh, but that's kind of the idea of what we're reading here today. Uh, and uh, about halfway through this letter that he writes, Paul goes into this section on self-discipline. And it's what we read together. He writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Now understand what Paul's doing here. He's really not talking about a race. All right? He is talking about our spiritual lives here. That's why he's talking and saying in this stuff. It's not about running or boxing, which we'll see in a moment. This is about a relationship with God. And he says, run in such a way to get the prize. Now, what does he mean by that? What is going on here? Well, think about uh, if you are an elite athlete uh, and you are running a race. Running a race for an elite athlete uh, takes a massive amount of extreme discipline. If you study some of the people who train for the Olympics for four years, and, they, and for, for five days worth of whatever, they're training for four entire years of their life. And they had elite athletes in the time of Paul as well. Uh, even the, the idea of a marathon uh, came from Athens, Greece, pretty close. Marathon, Greece, actually, was just outside of Athens. During, around the time of Paul, elite athletes were a thing back then as well. And, and so for Paul, he understands elite athletes who are training for this type of stuff, incredible level of discipline, their body, their intake of food, the, the training that they go through. The, the idea here, the Christian life is a life that should be marked by discipline, by discipline, not, not by laziness, not by when we feel like it, like this is not how it's supposed to work. Paul says, elite athlete, training, running, all that type of stuff. This is the picture of what this should look like. We are not just to sit in the stands and watch other athletes. That's not what the, that's not what the call is for us. We're supposed to be in the game and there is a level of discipline, training, work, and planning involved. Paul says, you know how athletes do it? Yeah, that's what it should look like for you in your spiritual life. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Uh, the, the crown that it talks about that they would have won at this point would have been a simple wreath type of thing. I mean, the thing would have died. It's not even like a cool medal that you get to keep. I mean, they're, they're running for something. They put on a wreath, and a week later, they're throwing the thing in the trash. And Paul's like, they're running for that. We have something so much bigger and so much more important in us here. And he fully knows that there are people who are running and who are boxing who, are, who have not put in the work. These people do not win. They expect to show up and be good at it, but they aren't. Why? Okay, because the effort isn't there. The discipline isn't there. The strategy, the planning, it's not there. And he says they're running aimlessly. Or, or beating the air, a boxer, almost like shadow boxing. If you, you're just like, 
boxing against yourself is kind of the idea here. Verse 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. Uh, for the price. The language here is not a language of him actually hurting his physical body. Again, when you look into this, it's this idea of self-discipline. Self-discipline. I'm not just falling off the handles all the time. I'm not just living a lazy life. I am disciplined in my life as a follower of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that stuff challenges me. It challenges me. As I ask myself and I look at my life sometimes and I say, God, where am I in this? Like, uh, you know, and, and I don't think that Paul here, understand, uh, Paul is never writing things that we should look at it and feel all awful and shameful and guilty and what a failure I am. I can't believe I ate that piece of cake and ice cream, and, you know, it's like, ah, oh, what a failure I am. Okay, and we can feel that way pretty easy when we hear this stuff. Paul, Paul is not saying, you stink. He's saying, let's go. Do you hear the difference in the way that I say that? Okay, let's go. Let's go here. All right? Uh, I discipline my spiritual life in the same way an elite athlete disciplines his physical body. And listen, I think you know this. Many Christians today in our culture are making a whole lot of noise in different ways, but they're not, but like they're, they're doing nothing but running aimlessly. They're flailing their arms in the air, okay? Very undisciplined. And I guess at this point, I, like, I just want to ask you this, what does it look like for you to make a disciplined time with God part of your everyday life? What does that look like for you, like an athlete in training, this is just what you do. Not just, to, not just to do stuff, but because you realize the importance that a di- disciplined time with God and what it will produce in your life. An athlete goes into training because they understand this is what it's going to produce in my life. And every time you run, you may not feel like you're getting any better, but now you look back a month later and you're like, wow, look how far I have come. All right? Okay, so what does this look like? Now, let me just give you a few thoughts on a disciplined life and discipline in your life. We're, we're specifically talking about spending time with God, but understand, like, this is true for so many different areas in your life. And whether you are like a church person or not, this is like, super universal right here is what we have, okay? Um, So first, write this down. You don't find time, you make time. You don't find time, you make time. And let me just be real with you for a moment. If you don't make time for spiritual disciplines, they simply will not consistently happen in your life. Just like if you are a runner, if you don't consistently make time to run, it just will not happen on a consistent basis. You make time. Like, I'll start doing it when I have a little bit more time. It's kind of a busy season for me right now. Okay, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. You have enough time to do the things that are most important. The reality is, many of us, most of us, are wasting a whole lot of time throughout our day, and we then say, I feel so stinking busy, I can't get anything important done. When the reality is you have time, it's about making time for the things that matter most. How do you make time? 
two things that will help with this. Uh, first, create a stop doing list. It's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? I thought it was going to be like make a cool list. Say create a stop doing list. What does that mean? All right, if you want to make time for the things that are most important in your life, you have to do a little bit of an assessment on the things you're spending your time on. And, you, and, and what you will find is there are times and there are things throughout your day, every single day, that are absolute wastes of time. They are not accomplishing anything. They are not beneficial in any way. They are not even what you think they are and that I'm just vegging out because I'm so busy and it's just, I just need time to sit there, okay? There are times and there are things that you need to, like you need to replace something in order to make time. Understand that in your life. Saying yes to something is saying no to something else is a better way that we could put that. Now, let's just be honest with ourselves for a moment. And I know you're, you're like, I know you're going to go here. For most of us as Americans in general, the biggest way we waste time is behind some sort of a screen. That's fun, isn't it? Okay. And I dare you to, to go, go on a little journey and read some books on the addiction that we have to screens and to our cell phones and the dopamine hits that we get from picking up our cell phones. Some of you don't know what that means. It is full-fledged addiction. Have you ever picked up your phone and looked at it and you're like, I don't even remember picking up my phone. How did I do this? How am I here again? Or you're like, you try to put it away for a minute and then you're just like, where'd my phone go? Uh, we are addicted to our phones. We pick the thing up without even thinking about it, and we open up apps and we start scrolling. Whether that's the news or social media or sports stuff or whatever it is for you, okay, understand our media content is we, we all right, enough of that. I'm going to get myself into trouble, and I don't want to do that today. I don't want what you hear from me today is... My phone is bad. There's more to this, okay? So let's just move on. But creating a, what, like, what is it for you? What in your life do you need to stop doing? What in your life do you need to stop doing to make time for the things that are more beneficial? More beneficial, okay? Second is this. This is like still under the make time thing. We had stop doing list, okay? Second, put it on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. How do we make time because okay, we don't find time, we make time. Second, put it on the calendar. What do I mean by that? If you are serious about spending time with God every single day, you need to define when and where that's going to happen. Define when and where that will happen. If you do not define when and where, it will never consistently take place. Okay? Uh, there are some crazy studies about this, and I had some of them in here. Uh, but I don't have time to go into them where they've done studies on, on different things about this, okay? Uh, but just believe me in this, that there's studies out there. The data is clear on this. Your success rate significantly goes up when you define when you're going to do something or and where. And that fits. I'm going to spend 30 minutes before I go to bed. And it's going to be on the couch, okay? Something like that. Uh, I'm going to spend 45 minutes after I get out of the shower in the morning in my room or at my desk. You get the idea. We start by calendaring our time with God. That means we decide ahead of time when and where. That's very important in this. Did you hear me, anybody? Okay, that's good. Okay, um, in, my, in my morning routine, uh, I'm going to get up, I go for a run. I sit down for 10 minutes. 
I eat breakfast, I take a shower, I take the dogs out, and I sit down and I read the Bible and I pray, and then I read a book. It's a calendared thing, okay? Now, I, I only, sometimes it changes a little bit because I only, I run like five days a week now, uh, but, and so some of it shakes and moves a little bit in some of that, and maybe Sundays are a little bit different, but today, actually, I did that exact thing before I came to church uh, on that list, and so this calendaring and deciding that and putting that together, like, makes it happen. Understand that, okay? Uh, now you get the idea, purposefully scheduling my time with God. And the way you make time is by scheduling your top priorities first in your life and letting the things of lesser importance fall off of your to-do list. Got me? All right. Next, kind of in the same lane as this right here, I, wanna, I want you to rethink your morning routine. Rethink your morning routine. In 2014, this well-known military admiral named William McRaven was asked to give the commencement speech at the University of Texas. Okay? His advice to the graduates was this. You remember, this is massive, like thousands of people. This is an admiral, gets up. Here's his advice. He says, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. Start by making your bed. This speech would go on to become a New York best-selling book called Make Your Bed. The title of chapter number one of his book is Start Your Day with a Completed Task. And he goes into the power, the power that is us finishing and accomplishing something and the beginning of the day. And what that does for our psyche and our uh, emotions and everything else. Uh, and, and he goes on, he explains the training that goes into becoming a Navy SEAL. 10-mile runs with 50-pound backpacks, midnight swims in the freezing Pacific Ocean, tactical and survival skills unlike anything else in the world. But every day begins the same way with an exacting expection of one's bed. And here, I'll, I'll read to you this, this right out of the book. Um, he, he writes, if you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers, pulled, the covers pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough battle-hardened seals, but the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. Kind of, maybe that's like a weird thing to some of us, and maybe you want to push back, but like, listen, there's all sorts of research and findings about this, this weird idea of accomplishing something. How you start your day sets the tone for everything else you do. Just understand that. Uh, McRaven says, make your bed. Mark Twain says it this way, and everyone knows he's a little bit nuts, okay? He said it this way, if you have to eat a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he goes on, he goes on to say, this is why. He says, because you can go through the rest of your day knowing the hardest task is behind you. <laughs> what a weirdo, okay? The point, the point here. When was the last time you thought about your morning routine? 
When was the last time you adjusted your alarm clock to get up early and go after God, like with a little more intentionality? Because most of us in this place probably don't give a whole lot of thought to our mornings besides, I just need to get up, get stuff done, and get out the door in time. And I'm just telling you, a part of being disciplined is to just think through a little bit of your morning. All right, I, and I understand some of us are night people and day people, and okay, so I'm okay feeling a little pushback in this. There's just data around this, and I walk around my neighborhood. Actually, when I when I was running this morning, you know, uh, at 6 a.m. I'm out running, and you know who I see is um, okay. I, I live in like a super nice neighborhood, but I live kind of right on the other side of the the tracks. We'll just call it that way, okay? Um, And so all my neighbors are incredibly financially successful people. Uh, And I'm out running, and who do I see but uh, a St. Cloud doctor and his wife walking out at 6 a.m. And I go a little farther, and there's the owner of Felling Trailer, okay? And and so it's just like people in this world that this is a little bit of a generalization, but I'm telling you that people in this world that are what you'd call financially successful, almost all of them have a very early morning routine. It's interesting to think about that stuff, okay? All right, there we go. Um, now, let's switch gears here. You don't find time, you make time. Create a stop doing list. Put it on your calendar. Rethink your morning routine if you missed that. Let's switch gears here and talk specifically about this private discipline time with God. What do we want this to look like? I want to give you some tools, some tips, some of what I do, some of what others do. Understanding, though, that it's, it's about you finding a rhythm and a routine that works for you. Um, even when you do this and how you do this, okay? Uh, and you will also find that over time, things will change as you adapt, as you learn, as new things come, as the routine changes a little bit. Okay, first, where do we start specifically when we're talking about reading the Bible? Um, I would start by finding a reading plan. Okay, what is a reading plan? There are all sorts of places that have this stuff. Uh, My favorite by far is called the Bible app. And uh, uh, it's also called YouVersion, a free, completely free Bible everything. There's not even like really any ads on it. It's just a free thing. Uh, has the Bible in all sorts of different translations. It's incredible, but you, you can use it on your computer, your tablet, this stuff, uh, or go to Bible.com is actually what this is. Uh, and a Bible plan will tell you exactly what to read every day because one of the biggest things for people when they're just starting is like, I don't know what to read. What should I read? Do I just start at the beginning? Okay, how, how much do I read every day? What does this look like? And there are all sorts of different Bible plans through this type of thing that you can choose from. You can choose to read the entire Bible in a year, and it will tell you how much to read every single day in order to do that. And by the way, that is only about 20 minutes a day, and you will read the entire Bible in a year. Obviously, people read faster and slower, so that's a little, but okay, that, so that's, that's amazing. They also have specific plans. If you deal with anxiety, you can go through a plan for 30 days or something like that where you're reading Bible passages about that. If you're totally new to this, they have plans to help you start. There's plans on prayer, plans on miracles, plans like there's like a million plans and they're all free and you pick one and it'll tell you what to read every day and you check a little box and it brings you to the next one. It's fantastic, okay? Find a reading plan if you are trying to figure this out. So now you know what to read, so you sit down with your Bible 
either paper or you can read on a digital thing or whatever else. Uh, but I want to teach you now what to do when you read the Bible. And we're going we're gonna to teach you what's called the SOAP method. SOAP method of reading the Bible. This is a strategy that you can use. Uh, SOAP is an acronym for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. You don't need to hurry and write that down right now, though, because we're going to go through them one at a time. Okay, so first, you take your Bible, you have your plan, it tells you what to read, and first you read the Scripture. That's the S of SOAP if you miss that. You begin by reading the Bible. You read what the plan told you to read, and then, don't miss this though right here, this is so helpful, you also take time to read or to listen to a commentary on what you just read. Because how many of you have tried to read the Bible and you're like, what the stink is even going on here? Understand, there is so much cultural stuff from a book that has been written two to 6,000 years ago. There's so much things that are, that are different and we say, what does this mean and how do I understand this? So what is a commentary? What do I mean by that? Basically, we're going to listen to or read explanations of of what is happening here uh, from people who study first century cultural language, history, and all that. How do we do that? How do I listen to or, do, or read that? There's a bunch of ways to do this, but let me give you the two easiest ways. One of the ways is how I do it, and the other is how my wife does it, okay? So here we go. First, first, I would recommend you getting a life application study Bible. Now, let me show you what this looks like. Go ahead and you can put that picture of my Bible up on the screen, okay? So this is, this is my Bible. It's a beast, okay? And I, don't, I usually don't bring this Bible to church just because I can't even like put it in a bag. It's hard to carry around, okay? But this particular Bible has two different sections on it. You can see the top section and the line. The top section of my Bible is the scripture. It's the actual Bible, uh, just like a normal Bible, every Bible that you have, okay? But the bottom section is verse by verse, a Bible scholar is explaining what's going on up here. And it is massively helpful. And so I open up my Bible and I read the, the scripture for the day for me. And then I go back and I read the stuff. And actually you can see some highlights in there. I see yellow and green and orange. So those are three different times that I read that part right there. Okay. And I highlight on the top. I also highlight stuff in the bottom. And I do this every single day. It's super helpful for me. And it's just become this amazing ritual and routine that I have. Now, for some of us, um, that, in, that this interests you, we went out and we bought 30 versions of the Bible that actually I use, and we have them, we have them available um, that we're selling after the service. It sounds like we're like making money here, but we're not. We bought them for $43, and we're selling them to you for $40. We're not making money. We're losing money. But maybe some of us want, just want a new Bible, and this is a helpful tool as it has that. So the exact Bible that I like and I use, we have those available. Um, they're $40 for regular, and then we have large print as well for $45, which is what I actually use is large print. Okay, but, and the large print is great, but the Bible gets even bigger. <laughs> 
And you may not want to bring this Bible with you to church every week. You may, my wife actually has a nice study Bible like this, but then she has a smaller Bible that she puts in her purse and brings with her. Uh, but because they can just get so bulky. But that's, that's what I do. That's how I do that. Okay, um, now uh, the second option here, I've had to find my spot. The second option is to use a podcast. Now, this is kind of crazy, and I'm going to move quickly through this, but our favorite is called the Bible Recap. The Bible Recap. Uh, you can go to BibleRecap.com or just find the Bible Recap reading plan on the Bible app we talked about earlier. Okay, this, is, this specifically is a Bible in a year plan, okay? But understand, like, if you miss a day or something, you're just reading the Bible through is all that it is. But here's how this works. It's done super brilliantly, and my wife loves this. And every morning when I get, home, when I get done with my run and I come back in, my wife is sitting and she's often listening to this. Uh, it's set. You start by reading the scripture, and then there is an audio thing that is only four or five minute long, long where this brilliant woman honestly shares about that exact passage that you just read and tells you about it, and it's really cool, all right? I have never done it. I watch her do it all the time, and I am think I'm going to, I might start, start to trying that in January because it's just a new thing, okay? All right, there we go. That's a lot. That's a lot, but that right there would be S, Scripture. That's what we do. Number, number B, just making sure you're awake, okay? Number B, and we're going to move fast through the others, okay? Then we move to O in the soap, and that is observation, observation. So here's what you do. You think through, and ideally, you write down, but some of us are not going to like do a journal no matter what I tell you, so we're just going to say think through for some of us, okay? You think through and write down what you learned from this, what you observed from the scripture you just heard and all of that. Okay, go ahead and put that next slide on the screen for me. Okay, uh, this one right here. Yes, this last week, uh, one of my readings, I did this. And I, uh, so here's, here's observations. I, the scripture I read was Ruth chapters two and three. And I sat down and I read the entire story and then I read the commentary and the entire thing. And here was my observation on this story. Again, it's about what I just read. Ruth's trust in God was incredible. Her character mature. She trusted God, but also worked hard. She was also willing to humble herself and work in ways that most were not willing to do. Her humility, her hard work, and her character led to God and Boaz showing incredible favor on her. Her past was filled with difficulty and loss, but her future was in God's hands, and he showed himself but again, her character, hard work, humility, play. So this is my observation of what I read, okay? It's kind of jumbled. You know, some of you are like, that's not really good sentence structure, okay? It's not meant to be. I'm just like writing out what, what this was, okay? Uh, you write up what you observe, and then you get to the third part, which is the application, application. Now, here's where we take what we read, and we begin to personalize it. And we ask the question, what does this mean for me today? What does this mean for me? Or, or what things do I maybe need to do differently? Uh, what is God saying to me about this passage? Let me show you my sample. Go to the next one here for me. This is from that same day, okay? So I had, and, and what you'll hear in, in this is a direct correlation from what I just observed, 
okay? So looking at my own life, and this is what I wrote, what are the ways in which my character is compromised? Because I, I just seen Ruth's character like show itself, okay? W- ways in which I'm not being completely honest and truthful with myself and others. Ways in which my integrity would be questioned if others saw every moment of my life. And I was contemplating my integrity, my own life, my character was just kind of, God was showing me that. Second, where am I not working like I should? Wasting time, prioritizing the wrong things when I should be doing what's most important. Rest is essential, but best when accompanied by hard work. And that was, okay, a second piece. And then the third one, in what ways is pride finding its way into my heart? Because humility was like there for for Ruth. What am I not willing to do because it's below me? What does it look like for me to be more humble than I am right now? Okay, this was the application to what I, the observation. This is what I saw from Ruth. Application is this is what God is speaking to me right here. We're just about done with this, I promise. Some of you are like, this is the longest sermon in the history of the world. That's okay. Um, and then the final part is just prayer. That's the P in soap. It's just prayer, where we just, we just write out a very simple prayer with the observation and the application in mind. We change this, we change from this is what I see and this is how I need to respond to God help me with this. Okay, that's the idea. The example in this, God help me in these three areas. This is the prayer that I wrote. Go to the next one here for me. God help me. I think that's a moth on the screen. That's pretty cool. All right. God, help me in these three areas. Help my integrity, my work ethic, and my humility. Teach me to work like it's my work that makes a difference. And help me to pray like it's you that makes the difference. All right? And this was, that's, that's soap. Okay? Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And some of you are like, holy smokes, that's a lot. Like, I'd have to rearrange all sorts of things in my life to make this happen. Exactly. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. Music team, will you please come? Now, let's just get realistic for the final two minutes of this entire thing. Like, I love daily rituals. I love discipline, that type of stuff. But reality check in order. There are days when just Getting out, getting out of bed is winning the day. Anyone feel that with me? There are days where it's just like, I put my pants on. This, I should get a medal today. You know, I just let, and I just want to, I just want to say this. Don't be discouraged by the seemingly superhuman schedules of other people. And my fear in this today is just that some of us are like, I can never do that. I could never eat like Tom Brady, like we talked about last week. I could never, this is crazy, but understand what this is about. This is about prioritizing the things in our life that matter most. And my prayer, and last week, my prayer is that you would see and feel the weight of the importance of this daily disciplined time spent with God. You can go to church 52 times a year, join a life group every single time that we have it. You can go on missions trips and do everything else. All that stuff is amazing. Do those things. But the foundation of this all is not that stuff. 
It's a daily disciplined time that you spend with God. That is where spiritual growth erupts from. Right there. Not in a guilty, like drudging, oh, I gotta get up early and do my devotions. Like, not, not like that. I'm telling you, it truly becomes this beautiful, beautiful thing. Like, and, and hopefully, hopefully today, this pile of information, this is a little bit of a different type of sermon than normal, but this pile of information, hopefully that this helps somebody make this happen. Or maybe even excite somebody a little bit who is already doing something to add some things to their life. Please stand with me all over this place. God, I pray that we would begin or continue to live disciplined lives, lives like the Apostle Paul points to, like a runner training, God, that we would discipline ourselves and that we would begin to, every single day, the best we can, fill our minds and our hearts with your word and with prayer, God, not in a guilt-driven, drudging kind of way, not in a not in a, oh, I missed a day, what a failure I am, but God, that we would just kind of eat up this stuff, God, and we would be hungry for more of you than we have ever had, and we would see that just, God, God I pray that we would look back a month from now and say, wow, look at where I have come from spending time with you, God. So we pray for that, Lord, we truly do in the name of Jesus. God, we also pray for those here today who, who maybe do not have a relationship with you, for those that maybe have gone to churches and done things, but they know, they know that even in this moment that they are not right with you and they, do, they need to receive your forgiveness and your grace and, and just to be made right with you again. God, we pray for that. In fact, if that's you in this place right now, you can, in this moment, respond to God. You can begin to tell him, God, I need you. Come and forgive me, God. And, and you can cry out to him in this morning, in this moment. You don't have to repeat a prayer after me. You don't have to do, this is a heart thing where you can do that yourself in your seat even right now. Begin to talk to him, begin to ask him to forgive you. And God, I pray right now for that moment, for somebody in this place, for somebody watching behind a screen, that as they humble themselves, as they cry out to you today, that you would save them, God, is the words you use in this scripture, that you would set them free, that you would forgive them from their past and their junk and make them right and make them new. God, we thank you for who you are, for what you have done. God, we worship you, God, and it's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together today. We celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you prayed that prayer on your own today for the very first time, just asking God to forgive you and to give your life to him, we wanna know about that. You can take one of these connect cards and you can just, there's a box you check and we would love to reach out with you. If you did that online, you can find a way to do that as well through the little thing, but we would love to know, to know that. Let me just speak this over you today before we go. May you walk out these doors with a new hunger for God and, and a disciplined time would become an everyday thing for you that transforms who you are and what you do.